Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you don't. I was called in the Friday before Christmas, and I was told they were letting me go. My husband of 22 years came home the day after our daughter's graduation and told me he had only stayed all this time for the kids. Significant life changes can come fast and without warning. It's what you do next that matters. I mean, nothing changes your life more than a diagnosis like that. But eight years later in remission, and honestly, I'm having the best year of my entire career. And then I went home and I collapsed and I cried and I sobbed and I screamed and I wailed and I'm like, okay, I got to find a job. Not a single door opened. Until the day when it happens to you, you should always be asking yourself, what's in your blind spot? Featuring Patrick Lennon and Dr. Greg Sinema. Our guest today on the Blind Spot Podcast is nationally syndicated radio personality, Delilah. So let me, let me let me ask this question because people are listening to this podcast and they're going, I'm in one of the you know, worst moments of my life. I'm, I'm blindsided by, I lost my job or I'm going through divorce. There's been a death in the family. I'm sick. Um, you know, any number of things blindside us. And I want to, I want to get to your your core thinking here, because one of life's interesting points is when you are most focused on what's broken, you have to get outside of yourself and help others. Is that is that a message that resonates with you? Well, when you're as a mom to as many kids as I am, you don't have any choice. Um, uh, right after I lost my son, I I really I had it out with God for a little minute, and I said, you know, you kind of trapped me here. And you tricked me because three months before my son took his life and left this world, God had placed a baby in our household uh, that we have since adopted. And I did not want to get up. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to face the day. I didn't want to shower. I didn't want to brush my teeth. I didn't want to eat. But I had no choice because I had an 18-month-old baby in my arms that needed a diaper change, that needed to be fed, that needed a warm bottle, that needed mama hugs, that needed to bond. And I was really angry that I was tricked. But looking back, I realized how God saved me. Because if I didn't have that baby to focus on, and my other children to keep moving forward for. Uh, we found out my daughter was pregnant just days after we, we lost her brother. Her, and they're biological siblings. They're my, these were my bio kids. Uh, you know, so she was pregnant. I had to be there for her. I had to help her. I had to nurture her. I didn't have the luxury of grief. I didn't have the luxury of shutting down, I should say. I, I grieved, but I didn't have the luxury of shutting down like like my body and my mind wanted to because God had trapped me, you know. <laughs> and I look back now and I think he saved me. If If I didn't have those children that needed me, I don't know that I would have ever gotten out of bed. God gives you what, what you can take. Um, and he's given me a lot and he's given you a tremendous amount, Delilah. I mean, what, what you did is, is, is amazing. I mean, I, I can't speak well, highly enough of you. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not that wonderful, Patrick. Thank you for thinking <laughs> that, but I'm not, <laughs> I, I know yeah. myself. Um, and I'm not saying this out of false humility. I know myself and I know that I can be a really horrible person. Um, I have, you know, everybody, everybody. Robin Roberts wrote a book and, and she talks about how everybody has something 
and we all have something wonderful in us, something that nobody else has. And we all have something that we struggle with, um, something that is our Achilles heel, something that we have to overcome. And I think a lot of that is generational. I think it's in our DNA. Uh, you know, my, my family has a long history of really a lot of brokenness. My dad disowned me out of fear. He lived in fear. And like you said, people that are blind because he was sighted until he was in his late 20s, um, it caused a lot of paranoia, a lot of paranoia, which just fed into his fear. And his fear married with anger turned into his disowning me. He didn't disown me because he didn't love me. He didn't disown me because he didn't want to see me. I know that his disowning me was probably the second or third biggest heartache in his life and contributed to his death just a few years later because he did not have coping skills to deal with the overwhelming feeling of losing control. He lost control when he lost his eyesight. He tried to fiercely hold on to control of my mother and his children when he lost control of us and he saw me marrying somebody uh, of color, a person of color as, as his, him losing full control. And so his disowning me had nothing to do with him not loving me. It had everything to do with his mental illness and his mental state at the time. And, and I inherited that. <laughs> I mean, I'll be real honest. I inherited a lot of baggage and then trauma coupled with that, um, that DNA in me, you know, I can be a really horrible person. And some people, I have a son who's in his late thirties. He wakes up every day and he is good from the day he was born. My daughter, Shayla, she wakes up every day and she is good. She thinks, oh, what good can I do? You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the play Avenue Q, but Avenue Q has these little character called the bad idea bear. Yep. And the bad idea bear pops up on your shoulder and goes, hey, let's go drink beer. Hey, let's go get in trouble. Hey, let's go have a one night stand, yep. you know, yep. and the bad idea bear uh, is a character on the play. But in my life, I have like a dozen <laughs> bad idea bears. <laughs> The, you know, I've tamed them, I've trained them, and they pop up every day. I'm like, hey, you're trying to eat healthy. Let's go eat like a dozen burritos. That's a great idea. You know, right, so right, right, right. I know my bad idea bears. They're not a surprise to me. And so unlike my son and unlike my daughter, I struggle to make the right choice. I struggle to do what God would have me to do. And... And I have a few children who are just like me and they wake up and they're like, what kind of trouble can I get into today? Let's, <laughs> let's see how long it'll take me to push mom right to the brink. Um, but the one gift that God gave me and the thing that makes me successful is, and I can take no credit for it because I didn't give it to myself. It isn't my voice. Um, it is the fact that if you knock me down, I will get back up. And when I get up, I'm going to be pissed and I am going to 
destroy <laughs> the person that knocked me down or better yet, channel that into being so good that you will be sorry that you left me. You will be sorry that you fired me. You will be sorry. You will, you will ruin the day that you decided you didn't want me to be a part of your life. And I keep going. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is that old line about success being the greatest revenge? That's what you just described. Exactly. And it's so, it is so sweet. Let me tell you, you mentioned in the introduction that I was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Do you know how sweet it was? Uh, uh, 2017 was the best year of my life professionally and the worst year of my life because that's the year I lost my son. But up until the day that I lost my son, I was awarded the three highest awards in radio. And at the meetings, at the events where I was given these awards, were several faces in the audience of people that had fired me or wished ill upon me or, or tried to undo me. And it was just so fun. Felt so good. Yeah. So fun to have that moment in the spotlight. And I said to Craig, my business partner, I said, can I just like mention them? He's like, don't you do it. Don't you dare do it. Rise above it. He's too nice. Be a class act. Be a class act. And I'm like, oh. Just once. Come on, Craig. <laughs> can I just mention the surf and turf, please? Please, please, please. Can I trip them when they come up the hallway? Well, I, Something. I just want to say one more thing and that is if you are struggling if you are blindsided if you've lost your job if you just found out your partner cheated um if you just got the diagnosis if mom has a glioblastoma if your son has sickle cell anemia and god called him home uh and you're in that spot where you you cannot breathe it hurts so bad Please, please, please do what I did. I was 25 years old and I lost my brother um, Memorial Day weekend, 1985. Uh, he and his wife, and I mean lost. We didn't find the wreckage for several years. And my husband had walked out on me. I had an infant son and I got fired at work all within like a three-week period, four-week period. And I could not go on and I had an exit plan and I prayed and I said, God, if you are real, I need to know and I need you. I wasn't raised in a religion. I wasn't raised in a church. I wasn't raised in a particularly religious household, but I could not stand up under all the pain that was crushing me. And within 24 hours, God revealed himself in such a beautiful way. And the trajectory of my life before that night and after that night, I am, I believe he changed me on a cellular level. I believe he rearranged the cells in my mind and my body and my heart. Life certainly hasn't been perfect since that night. <laughs> I mean, that was only probably four firings into my career. <laughs> But having God to lean on, to hold me up, to sustain me, to be my shelter in the storm has changed everything. And I would not be alive today. I would not be alive today had I not prayed that simple prayer that night. I would not have made it through that storm and the 50 other storms that came if I didn't have Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And I can't say that strong enough 
So let me let me share something that I did when I when I looked at, um, at your books, um, one heart at a time, especially. So I, I have this ability to look at all the reviews of all of your books, and to do um, word and sentiment um, counts. So I'm curious if you if you could pick one word of all of the people who have reviewed your books, and there are a lot, by the way, of your books, and a lot of people love your your books. What do you think the one most often used word was to describe every book you've written? Hopefully love. That was the second. Interesting. Interesting. That was the second. The first is inspired. So what you just said is inspirational to people, and it's that lifeline that people need to hear. And it's it's just, um, it's beautiful that... You just said some very inspiring words, and the word that connects most with everybody who has read your books mm, is inspiration. That is very sweet. I didn't know that. I've never, I don't read, uh, I'm so bad. Like, we get books, you know, the ratings books, and I look, I'm like, am I number one, two, or three? Okay, I'm good. And I, I used <laughs> to, like, really delve into the numbers and crunch the numbers and now I'm like, okay, if I'm one, two, or three, I'm happy. I got to go. I got I got a garden to plant. I got a kid to raise or whatever. But that is very sweet. The, the thing that I want people to understand is everybody is looking for answers someplace outside of themselves. They're looking for answers in politicians. They're looking for answers in a cause. They're looking for answers in the Supreme Court. They're looking for answers in a, an education or in a beer, a glass of wine. They're looking for answers in methamphetamines and in, in heroin. They're looking for answers in fentanyl. They're looking for they're looking for the answers to the big question of what do I do now that I've been blindsided? What do I do now that I I am dealing with the fact that I was molested as a child? What do I do? You know, now that I found out that that my husband is is addicted to porn and has been seeing hookers, what do I do? When you've been blindsided, you're you're desperately searching for that thing to make it okay, to make the pain manageable, to just be able to stand. And one hundred percent of the time, whatever that thing is that blindsided you, one hundred percent of the time, the answer is God. It's not a politician. It's not a political party. It's not a new law. It's not a vaccine. It's not a a new diet. It's not a Ben and Jerry's. It's not, you know, a, a hit from a pipe. It's not social media. It's not TikTok. It's not watching reels. It's God. And 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 that kept me from God for so long was fear of giving something up control. I didn't want to stop having fun. God can't, you know, don't you see how much fun I'm having? I said to my brother before he disappeared, he became a Christian uh, four or five years before he disappeared. And he was telling me, he's like, he showed up at my house and I had a SHIT storm going on outside. Like you wouldn't believe the crap I had gotten myself into. And, And the police were called because of it. I pulled up from work and there was a scene going on at my apartment and my brother was there to witness it. And we went inside and he's like, so are you ready to maybe give your heart to Jesus yet? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm having so much fun. Look at this. He said, yeah, 
that looked like a lot of fun out there. I said, well, that's just, you know, that's just an aberration. He said, no, that's your life. That's your life, sis. He goes, you go around creating all these huge, disastrous, traumatic messes. That's your life. You are addicted to the high of trauma. And I'm like, you don't, you need to shut up because I make more money than you, okay? I'm 21 years old and I'm making, I was 20 at the time, so much more money than you, Mr. College, you know, graduate. You need to just be quiet with all this. I'm so you're, you're a chaos creator then, like your family system. You you grew up. Okay. Oh, yeah. I grew up in, in utter chaos and I thought as, I got out of there as soon as I could the day I graduated. And I thought, great, I'm away from the cray-cray. But I didn't realize I was the cray-cray. Wow. And, you know, so many times we do that. We, we recreate the dynamic that we grew up with. All the time. All the time. Yeah. All the yeah. time. And, and there I was, you know, just creating one disaster after another for myself. And, you know, my sister said to my, my husband, we've been together We've been married 10 years, but we've been together 16. She said to him when he met me, you're not going to be able to deal with Delilah. You know, you're far too stable. And she just she just is addicted to the guys that lie and cheat and steal. And, and you're not going to deal with that. And we laugh about that now because God did not bring him into my life until he had healed my heart and gotten me to a point where that wasn't... Uh, wasn't wasn't going to be a part of my life anymore. Yeah, I call that my uh, this is uh, as, as crass as it sounds in in therapy. I call it my cup of shit um, paradigm. <laughs> of you, you grow up and somebody hands you a cup of shit, and it's it's your it's your family, it's your life, it's the chaos, it's everything that broke in your life, and you walk through life with this little cup of shit in your hand, looking for somebody to take it and make it better. And you mess up everybody's lives in the process of trying to find the answer. And the answer was you got to put it down and, and learn how to deal with your life at a different level. Yeah, well, mine was more like um, a poly tank full. It wasn't a little cup. <laughs> a septic tank of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I saw a, a wonderful PBS special. I don't watch TV. I don't even have a TV in my house. But when I travel... My my secret little um, self-indulgence is I will watch like, I, I love to watch weird documentaries. And I was watching this documentary on homing pigeons of all things. And an old man, he was like in his 80s or 90s, been raising homing, homing pigeons his whole life. He's up on the rooftop in New York City. He's talking about his birds. He loves his birds. He feeds his birds. He waters his birds. He takes care of his birds. In the winter, he puts heat on his birds. And he pointed to the other side of the rooftop and he says, but do you see that birdcage over there? And the cameras panned over and it was just crap. It was filled with bird crap and there was no water. It was disheveled. And he said, the guy who owns those birds doesn't even feed them half the time. I feed them. I take my food over to them. In the summer... Or in the winter when it's cold, he doesn't have heat on him. He said, but you know what? When you release those homing pigeons, if you take them, you know, to Barbados and release them, if you take them to Central Park, they can stay in Central Park where it's nice. Have all the food in the world. But they always fly home. And he looked right in the camera and he said, just like people, we always go back home. And 
when he looked in the camera and I looked in his eyes, I knew that was the Lord speaking to me. And not just for my choices in life, but for the children that I've adopted, because most of the children that I've adopted are older. And I couldn't understand when I loved them so much and I prayed for them so much and I gave them so many opportunities and I sent them to the best schools, why they would go back to the streets. Why he would walk away from the opportunity to go to a, a great college and instead you want to go live in some trap house? And when I heard that man say that, the light went on and I went, I get it. Yeah. I get it. We always want to go back home. Yeah. You know, that's when we sabotage our lives. It's our fear that we won't be better or this isn't going to be better or it's not going to make me happier. It's not even that. It's just that you're comfortable speaking for me. I don't know for other people. I was not comfortable in solid, nurturing, healthy relationships. Right. And and your fear it made you fearful. It, it made me it made it made me feel like I was the best way to describe it is like I was swimming through a lake of honey, hmm. totally claustrophobic, totally I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move. I only felt that rush of freedom when I had the adrenaline from drama. <laughs> when you know you're alive. Yep. <laughs> and the lights are flashing. Yep, wow. but not no more. Not no more. <laughs> Not no more. <laughs> Not no more. Now I got peace. I got love. I have joy. I have a, a man who adores me and who's honest and who has integrity. And I, I said to a woman one time, because my husband's very good looking. Um, and she's, I was talking to this woman and she found out that we live in two different states because his job is out of town. And, you know, he, he comes home once or twice a month, but he works uh, in another state. She said, how do you, how do you trust him? How do you let him out of your sight? And I said, honey, I would not have married him after all I've been through if I didn't trust him with my life. And I do. And I never had that before. I never knew that kind of secure love before in a romantic love. I mean, my wife doesn't really get concerned about me. I've, I've been in New York on meetings and I come home without my jeans because I just can't find things in the hotel room being blind. So I'll leave clothes in the, uh, in the hotel. <laughs> my wife would be like, honey, didn't you go to New York with a couple pairs of jeans? And she said, if I didn't trust you with my, all my heart and love, I would think that you know, you're, you're doing something. That you're doing said, something no, and you left clothes. your clothes someplace. <laughs> Yeah, I just can't find them. <laughs> well, I think this has been amazing. Thank you. Really, truly. I'm really, really grateful. Be well, be blessed in the crazy coming days ahead. Remember that, that we got God to lean on and he is our shelter in the storm. And Craig. And Craig. <laughs> and, Craig. and yeah. And Craig can fix anything. <laughs> If, if Craig can't fix it, I promise you it cannot yeah. be fixed. That's we, we, should do a, we should do a podcast, just Craig can fix it. That's <laughs> just the name of the podcast. Yeah, Craig can fix it. And, and, then, and then have him, I don't know if he would, he probably would not share all the things he's had to fix just in my life. <laughs> like just in a weekly or monthly basis in my life. Uh, he randomly, I call him and I'm like, I don't know what to do. What's the matter? I'm just sitting on the side of the road and my tire's flat and I don't have a jack in the back and they used my spare last time. He's like, hold on. Five minutes later, AAA showing up. 
Well, I know Patrick has a Craig monument in the backyard. We should all probably look at that. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, I sit by it in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Stroke it. I do. Yeah, in, in, a, in a non-weird way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Have a fabulous day. Delilah, thank you, my dear. You are wonderful. Thank you. Very grateful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Delilah's amazing. I, I can't imagine a better person to have on our first show. I mean, she... She's why we did the show. You know, I think the some of the takeaways, I think, Greg, let's flex your PhD here. And obviously some of the stories that she told me, I kind of jumped back into my own head. And then when I got fired, you know, six months ago, my God, a year ago, believe it or not. Um, what were your takeaways, Greg? She's reminding me of how much better she is than us, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's kind of like when you when you talk oh to really God. good people I who know. really have a, a great heart, you realize, oh, oh man, I got a lot of work to do. I know. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that's an important fact for all of us. Before, I, I, I do want to answer your question about kind of some yeah, really important yeah, yeah. takeaways. But, yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's important to be humble. And yeah. when you when you yeah. talk to somebody who just really has little further down the path than you are, and they just got it together. I think it's just really helpful to remind yourself, I got work to do. Well, what she said too was cool is that she's like, it's just not that important, right? There's so much, there's so many bigger things in life. And getting fired, yes, it sucks. But, you know, give it time. Everybody's got a purpose in this life. And uh, give it a minute, right? And I think that, you know, I get so worked up when things happen to me, and I need to just take a breath I, you know, know that there's a purpose for me and just sit with it for a minute. And she, she, she did make me feel a bit like a, like an idiot. Um, but I, like <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she was amazing. I mean, she's just some of the crap she's done and how much she's made a difference in people's lives. I mean, that, that's also one thing that I really took away is get out of yourself right? It's not all about you. Like yeah, you sit yeah. there and you think, God, it's all about me, my life. What am I going to do to earn money? Which is all real, but it's not that important, right? Get out and help other people. Delilah said that some of the things that used to blindside her earlier in life, and I, this was a takeaway mm -hmm. I had from talking to her. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. said they're, they're not on her radar anymore, quote, right? right, right. And as a therapist, there's a tremendous value in the, in the word perspective. Yeah. And generally speaking, we can only gain perspective through years of living. But what we're hoping about a podcast like this is that people who don't have years and years and years of living yet are going to hear some of this and they'll go, oh, wow, th this is powerful. In fact, I'll give, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, about 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. Think about that. Wow. 85% of the things that we are really struggling with and worrying about right now and obsessing on, and this is horrible, this is the worst thing, what if this happens? 85% of them don't happen. And the 15% that did happen, almost 79% of the people said they handled it better than they expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson. So boil all that down. That means about 97% of the stuff that we worry about either mm -hmm. doesn't happen or it's way worse in our minds than it was, and we end up torturing ourselves over things that really don't matter. That's that's what perspective is. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the crap that happens, see, you just don't have control over, right? And that's the hard thing, is I think with people, at least for me, right, is that, and I really lived in my serenity prayer, right, control of things that you can control, um, and. 
I think the, you know, the takeaway that I got from Delilah is there's certain things you can't control and you got to move on. Um, and focus on things that aren't all about you, 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 and the rest comes together. I mean, like when she, when she didn't know where her insurance was going to get paid for her unborn baby, right? I mean, some of the faith she had was incredible. Um, but let's get into your takeaways, Greg, because I, I, I would love to sort of put your doctor hat on and, and you know, what, what, can the, what can the audience take away from this interview that, you know, if there's three or four takeaways, what would you, what would you categorize them as? Well, perspective was certainly first thing, but you said something a moment ago I want to highlight because you, you mm -hmm. talked about um, worry and you talked mm -hmm. about control. And, mm -hmm. and people need to understand that when we worry about something, it gives us a false sense that we have control over it. It's the brain's way of trying to adjust and say, you got this, this is okay. We're going to focus mm -hmm. on it. You worry about it and you have control over it. The, the exact opposite is the case. The more you find yourself worrying about something, the more you are actually acknowledging you are not in control of this. And the power of saying, this is not mine to control. I'm going to just, I'm going to ride this through. I'm going to let it unfold. Um, what, you know, I had a therapist buddy, um, actually wasn't a buddy, I went through college and he was my um, clinical professor and mentor and I would sit down with him and he would evaluate me. And the, the smartest thing I ever heard him tell me personally was tolerate the anxiety. Tolerate the anxiety. So because, yeah. yeah, because what he knew about me just from, you know, watching me lay on a couch and squirm while I'm being asked questions about my childhood and, and my life, uh, which you all, everybody has to go through when you're, when you're going through you know, clinical. Um, he said, you have an issue with anxiety and you don't tolerate the anxiety. You try to control it or you try to make it go away instantly so you don't have to sit in the uncomfortableness of it. And he said, just tolerate it. Just get to the point where you realize you can't control it. You can't make it go away right now. So just mm -hmm. tolerate it. So it's super powerful, right? So good. Well, you used, to, you used to tell me when we've done pitches together in the past, Patrick, tolerate the silence. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard as a, as a, you know, a business development type A personality, you want to keep everything moving quickly and you don't want to tolerate it. You want to fill it. And I think the same thing goes with anxiety, right? People just want to fill it and try to control it. And you can't. Yeah, we're, unco we're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We're real uncomfortable with silence. But for you, yeah. I, I kind of felt bad for you because when, when you're in a meeting in a silence, you, you know, a sighted person is reading the room. Sure. You're, have, you're having to sit there in silence yeah. and try to figure no, out what's, go what's going on, right? <laughs> no, it's brutal. Um, it's brutal. And, and, or I, I'm listening for like a break in the conversation so I can jump in. I mean, yeah. clearly I, I have so many awkward ways in. Um, which a lot of my ways in and, and I guess way to deal with my, my, my blindness is just, you know, humor and making fun of myself. Um, but let's get back to Delilah. Cause I think that some of the takeaways, so I think what you had said, you gotta have, you gotta be able to tolerate the anxiety, right? And that yeah. you gotta be able to sit with that. Is that something that you tell most of your patients when they have, you know, something major in their life, traumatic, is, is anxiety is a big one across the board? Well, yeah, you you do. And and you almost kind of, I, I love a, a one particular area of scripture. And I know, I know the Bible doesn't speak to everybody. I, I'm aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but to me, Luke 12, 25, which is, you know, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Mm -hmm. 
to me speaks to a a very, right, a very old sage piece of advice, which is, why are you worrying? I've got this, right? I mean, you have to be able to trust somebody other than yourself because we're a mess, right? Um, And and I'll give you another um, takeaway I had from this, but I I just started to smile when you talked about when we were in meetings Mm -hmm, and, and I knew you couldn't read the room. And you remember I would tap your foot under the table yeah, that was creepy at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took I took my shoe off. I, I hope that didn't right, bother you. Right. Yeah. 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 Leg caressing was a little much. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it but it was a yeah. okay. It's okay to talk now, right? Yeah, it's like in. okay, mm-hmm. you you can go. You're on. Um, yep. And it, and, it, and it worked, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. It just as a I'm sorry I derailed us totally with that yeah, smile yeah, no, moment. No, no, smile no, moment. No, but I, I had yeah. I had to do that. There's a lot of those. And I apologize for taking my shoe off and tapping your yeah. leg. No, it's okay. That's all right. So my other takeaway, um, when Delilah talked about all the times she was fired, you know, she said, I was fired, terminated, kicked to the curb. Um, You know, she was unceremoniously showed the door a bunch of times, right? And she looks back now and she says something super powerful. She said, Mm -hmm. I look back now and I realize I deserved it. Yeah, I, got, I deserved got, it. Got tickets in the company car, I think she said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was no, amazing. She, no, she, she owned it. Yeah, she owned it. And and uh, and I want I want to make sure people understand the power of that because she said whether it was my behavior or my bad choices or my ego, I deserved it. And yep. one of the deepest, most profound psychological lessons we can develop as human beings is mm-hmm. to realize that we um, we self create most of our problems but we don't want to take ownership of it. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I just had to let somebody go from, from my company, from my agency. Mm-hmm. And um, I hired her as a salesperson. Um, I felt kind of bad for her because of her life circumstances. She'd got a bad recommendation from her previous employer, but I thought, you know what? I'm giving it a shot, right? I'm going to try to be a better human being than I, than I normally am. Gave her three months she did nothing in three months, right? Absolutely yeah, nothing. Yeah, Didn't yeah. sell a piece of business, never got a phone call with anybody. I think I gave her as much runway as I could, let her go, and she completely blamed me for her circumstances. It was my fault. It was the company's fault. She didn't get the training she needed. She didn't get the backup and support she needed. It was a tough time. The sun was in her mm-hmm. eyes. The grass was too tall. I don't know, right? right. I mean. everything you could possibly throw. Mm -hmm. Victim mentality, 100% correct. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is she didn't learn from this at all, right? She would, she's locked in and stuck blaming others for her circumstances. And what Delilah taught us in that very interesting moment was I screwed this up on my own and I took responsibility for it and I moved forward. That is super powerful. You, you got to look back and own it, right? Own what's yours. And I think that's part of humility is part of age. It's part of experience. And I think Delilah, I mean, look at where is she in her career? I mean, 8 million people a week listen to her show, Hall of Fame. I mean, she's got every award and the most humble person on the planet. We haven't even gotten into what she does outside of radio. I mean, what a remarkable woman. Um, immediately after that interview, I went and donated on on behalf of the show um, to her Point Hope charity. I mean, it, it is, it's remarkable what, what that woman does, which goes back to, you know, your job's not that important. It is, but we're so caught up in it that I feel like there's so much more to life. And I think 
taking a pause in your life and kind of listening to listening to others and uh, talking to people and talking to therapists and talking to friends and getting out of your own head is so important. The the one more that I think is really important, and you touched on it a second ago, mm-hmm. um, is that nobody sails through life unscathed. And if you are expecting that your life is going to be, um, you know, all Skittles and beer, yeah. you've got a really bad life coming to you because that means that you're going to you're going to blame everybody for what's going on in your life. And what Delilah um, really did in, in a very compassionate way, she didn't throw anything in anybody's face like, what a great person I am. She hides it, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't share a whole lot of the charities that she works with. And when I when I talk to someone like Delilah, it reminds me of what a better human being I need to be, right? Because so true. people like that are just better than most of so us. So rare. You're right. And they're, You're right. right. Because they're intentional. And so the word uh, I really kind of want people to lock in on here is intentionality. And if you don't start each day with at least some mindset of intentionality that I'm going to be better today, I'm going to touch somebody's life today, I'm going to make somebody a little better off today than they were yesterday, and I'm going to be better for it, then you're just sailing through life kind of freestyle, hoping things will happen good for you. You have to you have to be very intentional about the way you want to live your life. So good. So good. All right, Dr. Greg, thank you. I mean, I think there's there's going to be a lot more interviews on a lot more inspirational people that we're going to bring into the show. And I feel like it's going to, it's going to make an impact. And I think that at the end of the day that, you know, my, my goal with this show, you know, was really to bring listeners in to hear other people's stories, to take away really wisdom, strength, and learn from others experiences. Right. And I think that, that, that hopefully is what we get across in these shows. Um, and I think it's great. I, I'm, I'm stoked to jump into our next interview. Who do you have lined up for us next? Who's in your on-deck circle? Well, this person is considered polarizing, maybe to some, but really, really interesting. I think you'll you'll definitely get a PhD workout on this one. Political? Ah, uh, could be. Who isn't nowadays, Dr. Greg? Really? Yeah. Uh, lucky people aren't but <laughs> yeah i know right 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 oh okay. yeah he, he he or she is, is going to be is going to be very interesting i think this one will be one that will keep them on their toes so we're we're excited to have um this next guest but i'm, I'm not going to tell you who it is until we get a little closer to uh putting the show on the air you tell me off air mm, maybe <laughs> okay we'll find out together then maybe all right yeah sure good enough all right buddy thanks for the show today always Dr. Greg and myself, we want to personally thank a few people. Delilah, thank you so much for your time, your candor, and being such an amazing human being. Greg Kitchen, for the contacts, the friendship, and the continued support. Chris Kelly, amazing production and producer. You rock. And everybody, please like the episode if you liked it, comment on it, and we'll see you next time. This has been a production of ROI Media 360.